You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Emergency Department Podcast. This show may contain information about professional athletes' injuries. It may be descriptive and be unsettling to listeners. The information discussed may at the time of the recording be incomplete and be based on opinion rather than fact. That opinion is and should always be viewed as an opinion only. In short, possible offensive language, injury-based content, not always accurate. If you don't like it, turn it off. Alright, listen up everybody, let's get this riders meeting underway. As you all know, motorcycle racing is dangerous. Riders entering this event do so at their own risk. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I am not a doctor, I am a physio, and this is the Emergency Department Podcast. Welcome everybody, this is episode number 5, uh, we have already got some injuries to report on, uh, it's, been, it's been a couple of weeks into the preseason and we for Supercross 2022 uh, and we've already got a couple of injuries to talk about, uh, don't get me wrong guys, I am here for the injuries and I do work in that field. It doesn't thrill me to actually be reporting on them already at this point in time. Um, we should, these guys you know, should be just getting ready and, and ready to race and, and having no issues, but unfortunately it's part of the sport, hence my hashtag that I use on all my Instagram stuff is uh, hashtag injuries are a part of moto because, put it simply guys, they are a part of it. You do something competitive or, or at high, high intensity and high pace, there's going to be an injury, whether that's from just overuse, a crash... Just that persistent effort that you're trying to put your body to the maximum point in its capabilities, some things can go wrong sometimes. Uh, so look, that's where we're at. Um, don't get me wrong. Like I said, it's I'm not here. I'm not promoting the fact that this is cool and they're injured. No, definitely not. We are just here trying to provide some info on what's happened to these guys, where your favorite rider might have disappeared to, why he's not on track for the first round. You know, and just trying to give these guys some uh, some promotion while they're on the couch, essentially recovering. So let's get into it, guys, guys and girls. Uh, it's a uh, you know only a couple of injuries here, thankfully. Uh, we are only really a couple of weeks into the into this preseason now. In normal times, preseason sort of starts around when those contracts start switching over. So that's usually October first. That's when usually everybody starts getting back on the Supercross track. Um, they've had their couple of weeks off season post motocross being finished. Um, so we're we're sort of mid to end of November at this point in in the year. They've been on the bikes, most guys, at least since October. Um, worst case, a lot of them are November if they've been coming off some other injury work that they've had done. So they should have been on the bike for sort of a couple of weeks by now. Um, and so, look, the first few guys that have got injuries we're going to talk about are Bobby Piazza and Levi Kitchen. Unfortunately for Bobby, uh, day one back on the Supercross track and back getting ready for Supercross, and he's had a crash on day one. Uh, things went sideways pretty quick by the sounds of it. Um, I've been in touch with Bobby. He's doing all right. Now, Bobby managed to do a compound fracture to his wrist or his left wrist. 
um, which a compound fracture, for those that don't know, the compound part means that that's when the bone actually comes through the skin. So in lots of cases, you know, it's just a, 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 a normal fracture is just with the, you know, you don't see anything. You just, you know, you get the x-ray and you find out, compound the thing sticking out of the out of the arm or out of the skin and it's it's quite obvious what's going on and if you check out bobby's instagram page he's got some pictures of the bones literally hanging out of his arm it's quite graphic um from my side of things you know being in the injury field that's i kind of like those sort of images it sort of puts in perspective of what's going on for these guys but yeah check out that instagram pictures they're, they're pretty pretty in front in, in up in your face um but they are something that you, you will help you understand what he's going through so, so that uh, crash for him unfortunately happened. He was on a he was taken on a triple, came out of a corner, um, went up the face of the triple, and the load that the bikes are going through at that point, where they're you know they're compressing up the face of the triple, they're on the power. Uh, he's unfortunately had a chain snap, and it's just sent him into an endo. Um, and basically, he said to us that instead of trying to trying to not hit his head on the ground, he's put his arms out to try and save himself usual usual logic there for most people you put your hand out try and save yourself but unfortunately that's led to this uh, wrist fracture for him now that happened november 5th um, we're obviously about three weeks in uh, he's had a couple of surgeries already uh, he has got an external fixator that's been put on now that's where you see the guys walking around and they've got this big metal chunky thing on the outside of their casts uh, kind of looks like a bit of a you know, meccano set that they've put on there and it's all bolted together that is basically what sometimes you, you will get an internal fixator which you don't see but basically it's just the, your, your plates and screws that people talk about that they get done for their surgeries to fix their fracture except the external fixator is something that's on the outside hence external um, and it just locks the bone in place and holds it there while the recovery occurs now this is generally only in place for that six week period unless there's a slower healing process when they check that x-ray again at that six week mark but usually it'll come off at that point now the the, the positive side of the external fixator is it can be removed at that point relatively easily and the the removal process is a lot less than an internal fixator where you have to fully cut open the skin um you know remove all the plates you then have all these other issues that go along with that the external fixator makes that a lot simpler but the problem with the external fixator is that obviously anything that it comes in contact with out in the open can transmit or risk of infection getting onto that um, that metal and then into the into the bones and all that sort of side of things. So there's risks and rewards with both aspects of this. Hopefully for Bobby, this goes really well in terms of he can keep things clean and tidy. He can get it removed at that six-week mark. And then basically what he said to us at that point is his doctors have indicated that once that fixator is off, he's able to start doing some rehab, which is where you know people like myself, the physios, start coming in helping him get that movement range back, starting with some strengthening exercises and all the good stuff that you want to actually be able to do with your hand, you can start working towards you know, getting back too. Now, he's mentioned that with all this uh, you know, damage that's occurred, obviously the bones are the main is issue for him at this stage, but he has indicated that some of his hand is, is numb from where his ulnar nerve got stretched in that crash and obviously where the hand has then been bent back to while he crashed. 
Now, the ulnar nerve is something that runs down the outside of your arm. And for those that um, are playing along at home and, uh, and remember some of these things that we've written about and talked about previously, Adam Cincerulo had that ulnar nerve relocation, and that was something that came down from his, it's your funny bone at your elbow, basically. It's in that little groove, and that's where Adam had it moved from because he had irritation issues. But it will then continue to run from that point in your funny bone at your elbow all the way down to your hand on the outside of your hand, down into your pinky finger. It'll do your pinky finger and part of your ring finger. Everybody's a little bit different as to how much of that it does. But that's where he's having some numbness in um, and that he doesn't have any movement issues. Everything moves. It's just that the sensation side of things is gone. And that's a pretty normal thing um, post these bigger injuries where the nerves get stretched. They sort of go into like a bit of a a bit of a heightened spasm state and they just sort of can't quite figure out what they're trying to tell you is going on with the sensation and the, and the movement of the body so it just sort of gives off these altered signals for a while it will regenerate nerves regenerate they don't repair as such but they regenerate and that is a slow process um, but hopefully once things are all back um, healed with the bone and you can start doing some normal movements again it will start to glide which is what you want the nerves to do they want to glide in and out of this space that they run and hopefully you can then just it'll, it'll all sort of settle itself back down over the next few months um, in his recovery period as he gets back onto doing normal stuff now his recovery period his doctors have indicated to, to bobby at this stage that it's going to be a up to a six-month um, recovery time frame. Now, for the bone side of things, it's six six weeks. Yes, that's the normal bone healing. The fact that he had to have the external fixation done because he he's done multiple bones. Um, he's also got the wound from the from where the bones came out of the skin, um, and just that nerve side of things. It's going to take a little while to get all his movement, all his strength back. Uh, and that's why they've got that six months. Now, doctors are notorious for putting longer time frames on things just so that you don't get too, you know, gung-ho and say, oh, look, it's, you know, it, it's not, you know, you told me it was three months, it's now four and it's not working. They always try and give you a little bit longer so that if they get better quicker, they look like the genius in the story. Um, and if not, and it's six months, well, they will correct anyway. So, Hopefully for Bobby, if he gets into this uh, into the rehab in a couple of weeks' time, so he's got three more weeks with that fixator on, if he's allowed to get it off in that sort of mid-December point and he can start rehab, he's probably got probably another eight weeks or there after that of re- repairing all that at a minimum. But yeah, so somewhere, somewhere in that four to six-month mark before Bobby's going to be back on a bike. Unfortunately, that means he's probably going to miss all of Supercross this year um, and there's a potential that some of the outdoors if he wants to do those um, then maybe the first few rounds he might be ready he might not be it's going to be touch and go on that all, all that all plays out but we'll have to check in with Bobby in a couple of weeks time and see how things are going with his recovery now because it was such a big injury for him and, he, and Bobby is a privateer uh, he has had some assistance from Road to Recovery now if you check out Road to Recovery's uh, Instagram site or their website you'll be able to find ways to help donate for not just for Bobby, but for all injured riders. They look after all the riders in our sport. So check out their site. You can donate small amounts, whatever you can. Um, It's a great way of supporting the injured guys in our sport and and for people like Bobby who needed it, just to help cover those initial funds, you know, initial costs uh, that surgeries and hospitals and all that sort of stuff cost. Um, It's not cheap, unfortunately. Um, Neither is motorbike racing, but hospitals are even worse. So moving on, uh, we've got Levi Kitchen. Now, this was one of those usual sort of injury notifications that you get from most people these days where it's a little after the fact. 
um, for whatever reason, and and it's been my part of my reason that I'm doing these sorts of injury notification, you know, articles, and now the podcast. It's to try and open the door on these injuries and show that these riders are, are pretty much they're just badasses in the sense that they've they've got these bad injuries and that they've been able to get over them, recover, come back really quickly in lots of cases before many other sports would even consider getting back on the field and they're back you know top level com- competing and, and potentially some of them winning races um whilst they're still recovering a la jeremy martin last year in the outdoors with the or this year sorry last season with the uh with the wrist injury that he had obviously he went out with it in the end but he was winning races with a potentially a broken scaphoid there so look, it, it's something that I've wanted to do, but the the teams and the riders still, for whatever reason, feel they need to hide these injuries. They're not as as open with a lot of these things. And for Levi, it's three weeks after the fact or thereabouts that he has uh, injured, had this injury or crash that led to an injury, and we're only just finding out about it now. Which look, maybe he was trying to work out what was actually wrong. Maybe he didn't know how long the recovery was going to take and he wanted to make sure everything was on track before he told us. That's fair enough. It is the offs or pre-season. Um, but from, from my side of things, I just like to be able to tell you guys and fill you in on what's happening as quick as possible with these injuries. And hence, you know, my physio background, I've got a little bit more insight into what some of these guys are going through. So I try and give you some of that info along the way. Now for Levi, this injury was actually a scapular fracture. So that's your shoulder blade. He's managed to have a bit, just a, it's a it's a small fracture. Again, if you check, again, most of these guys, when I'm talking about these injuries for them, they've usually been pretty good and they've got images up on their Instagrams or their, you know, their different social accounts. So if you check out those social accounts for them, you'll either see an x-ray, an injury picture. Um, you know, for Levi, he's got the x-ray of his uh, scapula up and you can see the fracture, but it's not like massively displaced. Displaced meaning that they're separated um, to two pieces of the bone. It's it's a real mild sort of um, fracture. You'll see the, the blurring of the bone there and there's a bit of a, a cracky looking thing, uh, but it's, it's not two separate pieces, you know, long way apart. So it's not displaced. Um, but he also mentioned in his, in his update that he had a bit of a minor rotator cuff damage. Now, the rotator cuff, for those that don't know, that's a group of four muscles that basically attach to the shoulder blade and then onto the um, upper arm or the humerus bone and allows the movement of the shoulder or stability of the shoulder. There's a bit more complexities to that and there's more muscles involved and ligaments, etc. But essentially the rotator cuff is what is generally referred to as the stabilizing part and the movement and allows for different movements of the shoulder Um, and so minor damage hopefully that's just something like bruising or a minor grade one tear now when we're talking grades in 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 injuries we're talking grade one's very minor disruption of tissue grade two is some reasonable disruption of tissue and grade three is a complete tear as in there's two pieces they've been ripped in half and there's nothing joining together anymore those grade threes uh, are generally the ones that you are needing you know surgical repairs for um but yeah twos and and grade two and one um, generally just recover on their own depending on the tissue type it, unfortunately when we talk about stuff with the human body there's always a bit of a proviso right there's a there's always a, a well but sort of situation because not everything goes that way there's things like blood flow position you know the load that's required can it be stabilized can it be casted there's so many complexities but generally speaking 
and I say generally with a lot of emphasis because it's very general, but grade one is the and grade twos are the ones that will repair themselves uh, in about you know grade grade two is about four to six weeks depending on tissue and where it is, and and grade one's about two to four weeks. So it, it's something that should recover well. But given it's the rotator cuff, it is super important. So hopefully it is only minor. But if there is anything else going on with that, maybe it was a bit more of a tear, there is a chance that when this scapula recovers and he gets back, starts getting back on the bike, that he has some instability or some weakness. And that might potentially lead to some further work that needs to be done. Whether that's just conservative, and we say conservative, we mean like gym work, um, physio work. It hopefully isn't surgical work. Um, because that's when when things are going to obviously take a lot longer at this stage from his update i haven't been able to get uh, you know response from levi and unfortunately that's the case i'm you know minor media at this point in time hopefully as we get a bit more of a footing going and people start seeing more of these podcasts and listening to stuff we'll get a bit more access to guys but for now he hasn't responded but he's aiming his update says that he's aiming to get back to east coast supercross which is obviously the second one that's starting for this this year and that's a normal sort of time frame um, for these guys on the light 250 bikes that are, um, you know, having injuries pre-season. They all send, tend to end up on the East Coast. Now, for the scapula side of things, it's going to be a four to six week recovery time frame before he's back on the bike. If he is only a minor cuff, cuff damage, uh, rotator cuff damage, he will be repaired in that same sort of time frame. So he will be looking to be back on the bike probably about mid-December, which gives him about six weeks prep time before the east coast starts now he potentially could ride uh, west coast and start in january but he'd only probably have two or so weeks um, of full prep time which still might happen say there's you know two or three other injuries on the star yamaha team uh, he might have to get get going and go on that west coast with a bit less preparation than he'd like um, but it, it all going well no other injuries for that team he will be on the east coast so he gets a full proper prep um, which would be the you know that's the that's the smart safe play for him given it's uh, you know first time in the Supercross for him as well um, so that would be very ideal. Now, a quick uh, one other mention here: it's not a preseason injury as such, but the recent noti- notice um, that everyone's been sharing around about Zach Osborne's retirement. Look, first and foremost, obviously congratulations on a stellar career. It you know had its ups and downs, and everybody knows the whole story because thanks to uh, thanks to the TV coverage where they carried on about him in a tent every other week in uh, Turkey or wherever it was, Russia. Um, but look, there's some other parts to this story that are obviously a little bit disappointing. The fact that he had to retire due to an injury uh, is a a shame really like Zach's been somebody that's always been on the bike for a long period of time and always talked about wanting to do you know potentially other things after you finish with Supercross and Motocross as in like GNCCs and going back and doing you know ISDEs again um, six days so look it's a shame that it's finished the way it has but there's a little bit of history to this. So it's all to do with his low back injury. Now, I first reported about this. And if you follow along on my Instagram, um, I put up as many of these injury updates as I can throughout the season. So you guys are up to date. I also track them um, myself for, for stats for later on. But I first reported on his injury on the 27th of February in this year, 2020, uh, after a couple of the Supercross rounds. He, it was very minor info at that point that he just had a bit of a back strain. And, you know, at that point, that update seemed to give the impression that he was going to be back in a couple of weeks, you know, one or two weeks, and he'd be all good. Now, then the second update comes out a couple of weeks later, and he's, uh, he's now got disc bulges. Again, 
Nothing super crazy injury-wise there from, from my side of things as a physio. I see people with minor disc bulges all the time. It's a pretty common thing. And look, even people that um, you know don't have a back injury, if you scan them and give them a you know MRI, CT, whatever, you will find that some of them don't even know they have a disc bulge because they're not actually painful. They're asymptomatic, meaning that there's no symptoms, there's no evidence that there's actually a problem there for them. Which gives that uh, you know that impression that the the injury again for Zacco you know wasn't that bad, but things kept sort of rolling for for Zacco this year and and in a bad sense that he never ended up actually coming back for Supercross and he just sort of focused on preparing for the for the outdoors which was you know probably a good thing he was the defending champ um wanted to make a good good run at re, re you know winning the championship and backing up that number one plate unfortunately for zach it just didn't really go anywhere he he did one race at parlor you know average results went to round two and basically that was where things finished um he, he never got back out on track again um and then there was the talks of potential retirements that started, you know, grumbling around, and that he wasn't recovering. But then we got some some updates from from his, uh, you know, therapist there, um, Dr. Brandon Kliegman. I've probably pronounced that wrong. Apologies. Um, and I've been in touch with Brandon, and he's not, you know, prepared to comment on things at this point in time. He was hoping for Zach to sort of do it himself, which is admirable, um, and I appreciate his responses, but. Um, yeah, so he was doing some some movement spe- specific movement training to try and repair and stabilize the back, which is all sort of things we normally do for for those discs. Um, you know, it's all about taking pressure off and actually being able to you know absorb the load and disperse the load and move the load and and control it um, around that that spine. And that's done in lots of different methods. People all, there's so many different, you know, rehab gurus out there um, that think that they all know how to do it and they all do it slightly different ways. But it's essentially just about being strong around the core um, and being able to to take a load, accept the load, move the load. Um, and look, for, for us on the moto, that's a pretty difficult thing to just define it's not in a single single motion there's the forces that come from the bike there's the the track conditions and all that sort of business that go along with it but it sounded like things were going really well for zach and there was then he you know if you listen to lots of the mainstream um, media outlets he was on the way back he'd been riding for sort of a month um and then things have just popped up again that he's now retired and, and gone and and look that's pro- that's been noted to be that the back injury just hasn't recovered uh, the way that he would like and for 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 the, those that probably aren't really up on it or it's not that he's you know there's any major issue for him it's just that he wouldn't be able to compete at that you know elite level and and that's that's really all it is he, he will be to watch him in the pits and watch him you know day to day he'd be able to ride He'd be able to run, he'd be able to push weights, cycle, all that sort of business. It's just more a case of he might not be able to do a hundred, you know, a hundred burpees. He might only be able to do ten before he, you know, fatigue would kick in and, and things would start to ache and be painful, and he might not be able to repeat that the next day. It might be the case that he could row on the roll with with without an or whoever's his trainer at that point. 
and he could do it normally on day one, but when he has to do the repeat and the endurance work on day two and three and five and 10 and 100, he wouldn't be able to back that up. And that's where those elite level guys, that, that, that backing up the training and continue to build is what keeps them you know, at that peak level. And, and for Zach, I just dare say that he's just not able to do that anymore. He's probably waking up sore the next day just uncomfortable you know and just can't be loose and and smooth when he's on the bike and moving around and when the thing's throwing him from side to side at that that pace that he wants to be able to race at so it, look all that stuff there from 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 zach side of things that's all just my my speculating opinion we'll call it um but it sort of fits with the, the position that he would have ended up in with he's probably got some multiple level disc bulges rather than just one or at least I, I, I that's again that's a guess right you got to understand that there's no i haven't seen his scans right you're just going off some information and this and the fact that he can't return at this point so again it's disappointing but there is more to that stories and look again i hope to be able to i've reached out to zach to see if he would come on and talk he's probably got a lot of media commitments that are coming up where he's going to talk about his career with you know racer x and swap moto and all those sorts of places and me being me being lower on the totem pole at this point in time he's probably not going to really be interested but i'm trying to get there because this is something that is different from the information I'm going to ask him is completely different than what you know Racer X and that's going to ask him. So hopefully we'll get some information on that, um, and we'll be able to bring that to you on a subsequent show down the track. But that's it, guys. Those are the three updates that we wanted to talk about for this part of the preseason. Depending on how many more injuries we have across the preseason, we might have one or two more shows preseason. What we definitely will have uh, for our next episode will be one that previews just before the Supercross starts. We'll just go over, remind you of any of these uh, injuries that have occurred, who's going to be out at the beginning, who might be carrying something into the beginning of the series, uh, and talk about some of those initial stats that we've gone over from last season's uh, injuries. And just, yeah, just uh, maybe even speculate who we might think will win, just for, just for something uh, to, to talk about. But that's that's what we'll do. That'll be our next show. So look look out for it, guys. Remember to subscribe to the podcast um, via your favorite uh, podcasting app. For us, guys, again, this is a short show. There's no sponsor reads, nothing. We don't have any support at this point in time. So if you want to show some support for, for me so we can help doing more of these shows, um, email me. It's alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Anything that you can do to support would be great. Something as simple as, like, I'm looking, I'm running out of all these free options for building these uh, you know, putting these podcasts together from from software sides of things, I'm going to have to move over to some paid subscriptions. These things are sort of $30, $40 a month. Uh, anything like that that you could provide, you know, if you're interested in supporting that, that would be fantastic. Um, we just want to keep these things going. We want to keep providing this alternate, you know, injury content that's all to do with the moto scene. Um, so if you're interested in it, you like it, you love it, get in touch, um, see if you can show some support. It'd be much greatly appreciated. All right, guys and girls, that's all we've got today. Um, if you've got any questions, any comments, make sure you follow us on Instagram, always.moto, um, and be sure to check out the next show. Um, subscribe on your podcast app. Thanks, guys.